0: time change. The kids are slow, the adults are slow, All the pastor's coming up here, so how about we pray together, that God gives us the focus, because as I was lamenting during my time of prayer this morning, how much I despise this day of time change. If there's a vote, I'm voting, get rid of it, but to each is all. Let us just pray and humble ourselves before our awesome God. Father God, we just thank you for the chance we have to come and to worship you as we continue to worship you through the opening of your word. Uh, Father God, on a day like today... I know that even I feel like I'm dragging my feet. So, Lord, I pray that you indeed would magnify and glorify your name as we continue to worship you. Lord, I want to preach so that you are glorified. I want to speak of you and praise your name. And, Lord, there's no way I can do this on my own, as your word clearly states. So, Lord, by your spirit, help me to preach this sermon with what is needed. Use this sermon to bring glory to your name, joy to your people. And salvation to the lost, and Amen. I have a question for you. Let's see if it gets up there. It is. There we go. Have you ever been discouraged by the little progress in a project or a situation? I have. Uh, I I have. I, I yeah. I have. I remember not too long ago, our our house, our house, our previous house, flooded. So I had to gut out the whole basement because not only did I find that it was flooded, but that when, the, when you're pulling off that last that bottom three feet drywall and the two-by-fours that are supposed to hold up, the drywall are starting to fall over behind the wall. Uh, that means you have to tear it all down and actually do it right. But one of the most tedious things in the world for me, and I think God has gifted some men and women to do this in a great, amazing way. I'm not one is mudding and sanding. I can't stand it. It is tedious. It is slow. you got to wait. And then you got to put more on. And more than not, every time I do it, you can always tell the difference between my work and the work of the person who does it for a living. See, in this fifth vision that we will see here in Zechariah chapter 4, so if you have your Bibles with you, please open them to Zechariah chapter 4. In this fifth vision, which is a conversation between Zechariah and the interpreting angel, at the heart of what we see here in this message from the Lord to, Her, to Zerubbabel is a frustration with slow progress. So if you have your Bibles with you, we'll be continuing on, working on chapter, uh, chapter 4, starting in verse 1, going all the way to verse 14. So the word of the Lord says this. And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who was awakened out of sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? And I said, I see. And behold, a lampstand all of gold with a, bowl, with a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it, with seven lips or pipes on each of the lamps that are on the top of it. And there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you? O great mountains. Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forward the top stone amidst shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever despises the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven eyes, these seven, sorry, are the eyes of the Lord which ranged through the whole earth. Then I said to him, What are these two olive trees on the right and the left of the lampstand? And a second time I answered and said to him, What are these two branches of the olive tree, which are beside the two golden pipes, from which the golden oil is poured out? And he said to me, Do you not know what these are? I said, No, my lord. Then he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. This is the word of the Lord. So as you see here, context matters and context is important to understand. Zerubbabel we were introduced to back in Haggai, and in Haggai we we saw that God commanded the people of God to begin the building of the temple. The temple of God had been destroyed as other nations had come in to bring the people of God into exile. There was no temple. And so God had charged in Haggai, the book of Haggai, to the people, build the temple. And Zerubbabel was part of that. Zerubbabel was part of the people that came out of exile here. And as we look at this first point, we see that God's Spirit conquers the greatest obstacles that we have. In verse 1, we see this, And he woke me. This isn't a dream, this is a vision. He was awake during this whole time. He had been woken up like a man who was awakened out of his sleep, which is kind of rude. You can just imagine his, I don't know if a man wakes up differently than a woman, I don't know. But he's just groggy, right? In verses 2 and 3, we see this uh, begins of the ongoing conversation about about what the angel is showing Zechariah. And Zechariah sees these lampstands of gold, and we need to go back to the first temple and and see how in the first temple there were these, these, these gold lampstands that looked very similar to this. And, there, and then this lampstand, there's fire coming out of it, which is often representing the presence of God. And around these bowls were lips or channels or pipes. And we'll see what each of these elements will mean later. But what you are picturing is a lampstand that is being fed directly by oil from the trees by these pipes. You know, we need to remind ourselves that it's important to not get too wrapped up in the picture and forget about what the picture is pointing us to. And ignore all of these things. So Zechariah is confronted with this amazingly stunning image, this stunning scene that is centered around these lampstands of gold. And as we continue on, we see in verses 4 and 5, as as Zechariah says this, what are these, my Lord? You know, this conversation between the between Zechariah and the interpreting angels revolve around the identity of these two olive trees. And the angel replies to Zechariah with another question. Don't you know? It's kind of funny. Three times this happens in this text. This question is making it look like Zechariah should know what is going on. And clearly he doesn't. And if you've been reading this over this week, as I was reminded of on Wednesday when I was leading prayer meeting, uh, this really gives me and you some encouragement. How often is it hard to understand what these visions are talking about? Zechariah doesn't even know. So the angel, instead of answering the question, gives Zechariah a message to Zerubbabel. So remember the context. The people of God are building the temple. The foundation has been laid. They're beginning to build it all up, getting all the stones in there. So in verse 6, we see this. This is the word of the Lord, Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel was one of the people that came back from Babylon. He had built the altar of the Lord. He had laid the foundations of the temple. He is the governor of Judah. He is the son of Sheetiel, which means he's from the line of David. And then God comes along and he says these things. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel in verse 6, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might, not by the might of numbers, not by power, not by physical strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Like the golden landstands will be given the resources from outside of itself, Zerubbabel will rebuild the temple by the power of God's Spirit, and not by his might, not by his strength, but by God's. See, when you're looking at this vision, the angel directs our attention from the lights to the flow of the oil that is flowing to the lamps, that is fueling the lamps. And when you look at the Bible, oil is pointing to the Spirit of God just as the flow of oil keeps the light shining so the Holy Spirit empowers and animates every spiritual work. The obstacles that Zerubbabel is facing or will face will be overcome by not his own strength or the numbers of people but purely by the Spirit of God which comes to this verse 7. Who are you, O great mountains? And it must have felt like a mountain. This task of rebuilding the temple must have looked like, here's this temple, now get rid of it. Something impossible. And God comes and says, who are you, O great mountain? The obstacle that is in the way will not stand against the Spirit of God. For the Israelites, they had to build the temple with hostile parties, with difficult spiritual, economic circumstances. And God comes and gently comes alongside of Zerubbabel, who is the leader of the people, and he assures him that these obstacles will be overcome. God will accomplish the task ahead, not by military might or by power, but by his own spirit. God's Spirit conquers the greatest obstacles. Even though there are obstacles, God is sufficient to overcome them. I was reminded of this this week from this quote here. If success is to be gained in the achievements of the people of God, it will not be secured by what man can do, but by the Spirit's work. See, the key verse here in this first seven verses is not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. It really is the motto, isn't it? To a people who are discouraged, afraid, worn out, tired, despondent, the task that is in front of them seems impossible seemingly impossible. And God says to them, and God says to us, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Morale must have been all-time low. Many of the people who are experiencing such hardships would have doubted God's power or his commitment to help them the pressure of Zerubbabel would have been great as the failure to build a temple presented this really growing, I don't know, scandal almost and symbol of spiritual failure. The people are losing hope or interest. Many are falling into sin. Many are compromising. Many are decided to make the best of things by assimilating to the people that are around them. We can see that in Haggai's rebuke of the people. Or they were tempted to rely upon other things rather than on the Spirit of God to accomplish this task that was in front of them. All we need is more people. All we need is more money. All we need, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. These feelings and temptations are also familiar to us as Christians, aren't they? So, the principle of Zechariah 4, verse 6 gives inspiration to us as well. Someone this week told me that the world is hard, and I agreed with them. I strongly disagreed with how they went about fixing that problem. The world is hard, opposition is everywhere. To live Christ like in this world means that you will have hardships, if not persecution. We have been given a mission and it seems impossible. The answer is you're right. The mission is impossible for you. Living like Christ is impossible for you. Telling people about Jesus Christ seems impossible. For you, getting out of bed in the morning seems impossible. Talking to Jenny down the block seems impossible. And what are we reminded of? Yes, it is hard. It seems impossible because it's not done in my might nor in my power. It's done in the Spirit of God. And who is this, this Lord of hosts? The word Lord means Yahweh. He is a self-existent, redemptive God. The word host is is translated from the the Hebrew meaning armies. He is the Lord of the armies. The angelic armies. It's another way of saying Lord of hosts is God of the armies of heaven. As the Lord of hosts, God is the all-powerful ruler over the entire universe. All power and authority are His. He alone intervenes to provide victory for His people. He alone brings world peace. At the same time, He is available to hear the prayers of His people. That is the Lord of hosts. There is no other God like Him. This is who says will accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Who can stop the Lord of hosts? Nobody. Not even the mountains. For you and me, for me, what this shows us is that God is able to overcome all obstacles. By His Spirit, He is able to overrule, He, he can overrule might and power that seems to be uh, so unable to be conquered. It also shows that He, that we are called to Prayerfully obedience, even when things get hard. Philippians 4, verse 19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So, this is for you and for me. We should apply what God says here to the Christian life, both individually and corporately as a church. We will always encounter opposition in ministry, always. I had a pastor once say to me he just longed for easy ministry. And I just went, you got to be kidding me. He was a lot older than me. There's nowhere in this world that says the ministry is going to be easy. Nowhere in this world does it say living like Christ is easy. Worldly and spiritual powers are trying their hardest to stop the advance of God's kingdom. So if you are out there seeking spirit of God to advance the kingdom of God, guess what's going to happen? You're going to have opposition. You won't have any opposition if you're just coasting. But I'm reminded of what Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So did you notice that in these first 7 verses Zerubbabel is to live to leave the leveling of the mountain to God while he gets on with the work God has given him How many times do we face a situation like we are supposed to be the ones who are making the path through the mountains God will make level paths for ministry. He wants us to do, for ministry, He wants us to do. Let us fall into the lap of the God who overcomes all obstacles. As God addresses the obstacles that look impossible to overcome, God looks at the frustratingly slow progress of this project. In this second prophetic message, God assures the people that Zerubbabel will in fact actually finish the temple. He will get it done. The sanding and the mudding will finally be done. It will be done. And God's Spirit overcomes the smallest beginnings. His hands, it says, shall also complete it in verses 8 and 9. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. See, God's aim in our work is the increased knowledge of Him. The Christian life is about the increasing knowledge of our God and his grace and his truthfulness of his word. Back in Haggai, God has commanded the people to rebuild his temple. But they are discouraged. You see that in verse 10. For whoever has despised the day of small things. It's showing that some people are very frustrated right now. It's like they've been staring at this foundation for a few years, and you know, um, for, for wives, they often get frustrated with their husbands when they start a project, right? I, I have a. He's not here, so I can make fun of him. Uh, my father has been working on my basement, his basement. It used to be my basement, that's where my room was, for 30 years. <laughs> Right, It's gotten to the point now that he has to start all over again. Right? But the people of God are just slow, frustrated with the slow progress. And God comes and says, it will get done. The progress will go. The progress will happen. The community were just frustrated over the slow and painful progress of rebuilding and wanted to make their frustrations heard. These small things will be in small, though, as we see later on in this verse, because... For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hands of Zerubbabel. These small things will be small in comparison to the future joys that the people of God will experience. Zerubbabel will finish. As a plumb line is another word for topstone that we see back in verse 7. As the, people say, as the people see Zerubbabel holding that plumb line, as the temple construction began to wrap up, all would know that the Lord had done something great amongst them. During the small things, you have to keep your eyes focused on Christ. You have to. And as we see another thing in verse 10, these seven eyes... These seven eyes are the eyes of the Lord, God's transcendence and sovereignty. So when we look at this verse, for whoever has despised the days of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel, do you ever get frustrated with the small results in life? The small progress throughout life? There aren't enough baptisms. There's not enough people coming to know Jesus. There's not enough. There's not enough. People aren't growing fast enough. I'm not growing fast enough. The church isn't growing fast enough. You ever get frustrated? Put your own situation in there. The people were here. The people of Judah were discouraged at the laying of the foundations of the second temple and also at the rebuilding of it The question in this verse reminds us not to judge God's work by human standards. Even these skeptics will be brought to rejoice over God's faithfulness because we know that even though the progress was small, the temple gets built. So let me ask you this. Have you ever felt frustrated with the slow and painful progress of a project or a situation. God's people sure did. This vision reminds you that God is with his people to strengthen them. The vision gives us great encouragement to the people who have become despondent and discouraged and and couldn't keep going. In elementary school, in grade 7, I believe it was, I had to do a project. I went to a private school So I did a project on Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a missionary. He started the uh, Chinese Inland Mission way back in the 1800s. And as I was reflecting upon this, because it was a bad time for my life when I was in grade seven and eight, because I neglected to do the project, so I had to spend a whole weekend uh, doing it. So it's like great ingrained in my brain. Kids, don't procrastinate. And it just makes things worse. But Taylor, Hudson Taylor experienced when he began to dream great things to, to serving God as a missionary to China in the mid-19th century. Among the many obstacles were the difficulty of learning the Mandarin language, his lack of money, and the fact that he recently had fallen in love with a woman. Those are big things. He didn't know the language, didn't have any money, and he fell in love with a woman. Those are pretty decent obstacles in my mind if you're going to go to China. Believing that God had called him, however, Taylor pressed on with his plans. One pastor asked him how he expected to get so uh, distant to a place with no money. Taylor said this, It seemed to be probable, he writes, that I should need to do as the 12 apostles and the 70 had done in Judah, go without a purse or scribe, relying on him who had sent me to supply all my needs. Unable to find a suitable missionary society to support him, he didn't even have backers, okay? Not able to find that, Taylor concluded this, So God and God alone is my hope, and I need no other. Warned by an inexperienced missionary that with his light-colored hair and his blue eyes, he would be rejected by the Chinese people, Taylor entrusted this problem to the Lord as well. Taylor had a mission. The mission was to go and make disciples called him to go make disciples in china and he sat there and he listed all of the things all the obstacles that were in his way from accomplishing the mission and he said i'm going to leave it to god history tells us that hudson taylor did actually go to china even though he didn't know the language didn't have any money fell in love with a woman he did go to China. He did start the China Inland Missionary and great missionary society that succeeded in reaching millions of people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. One of Taylor's models is in the line of what I just said. A little thing is a little thing, he said, but faithfulness in a little thing is a big thing. This is an amazing truth that we have. And aren't we called to do the very same thing, the thing that seems impossible? The the impossible has happened to you if you are a Christian. You've been saved. You couldn't do it yourself. It's impossible. You were dead in your sins, the Bible says. You were an enemy of God. Says. The Bible says in Ephesians that you are an object of his wrath. All of these things say that you cannot do it on your own. But Christ steps down from his throne to die, to be born of the Virgin Mary that we were t- talking about with the Apostles' Creed, to be born, to raise up, to die on the cross, to live a perfect life and to die on the cross for our sins so that anyone who repents and believes in Jesus Christ can have life. Anything that we think is impossible is not that despite our sin against the holy God, he has made it possible for us to come to him and be made right, to have our brokenness healed, to be found rather than to be lost, to be made righteous rather than sinful, to be in the light rather than in the darkness. These are all things that God has done. And God says, for whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line and the hand of Zerubbabel. There is a real temptation when times get hard, when things get frustrating, when we get frustrated with the small things, the small progress, and not to rely upon the Spirit of God, but to rely on the things of man. It is only the gospel that will change people. That is the only thing. And any other gimmick that you can come up with won't work. Either by, and we know that the gospel will change people. It will either harden their hearts or soften it. Let us stay true to that. See, God's word, preached and spoken and written and sung in the power of the Spirit, builds the church today. This is why, as we gather together, we put this emphasis on the pulpit to exalt Christ. But also we see that God's spirit uses unlikely people as we continue on in verses 11 to 14. Here, Zechariah is like, I have no idea who, who these people are, who these two olive trees are. He doesn't know. But we see uh, in verse 11, he's asking that question, what are these? There's an obscurity here, and Zechariah doesn't seem to be too concerned with bringing the image into a sharper focus, okay? So we can look at this and ask the question, well, who are the two olive trees? The reality is the text doesn't tell us. But all we do know is that there's two golden pipes from which the gold oil is being poured out. And as these two olive trees are standing there with branches and gold pipes where golden oil comes out to feed the lamps. See, golden oil is is the purest and the finest oil possible. It also... It's a never-ending supply of it. It just keeps going. What you see is God's continuously providing for His people's needs when they are faced with so many challenges. As God uses two unlikely people, do you not know what these are? The angel says three times this happens, and Zachariah doesn't have an. He doesn't understand. So, who are these people? Who are these two olive trees that symbolize two people? We don't know for sure. Some people say it's Joshua, the high priest that we saw about in in chapter 3. And Zerubbabel. Or some people say it's Haggai or Zechariah. The point, though, when you're looking at this picture that is being made, is that the work that is done is done by an unlikely people by the power of the Holy Spirit as he provides and supplies for the needs of his people to do the task of building the temple. God uses two people as channels to continually supply his people. So the main point, the main driving point of this few verses behind the completion of this temple will be God's spirit rousing the people to action through the preaching of his people. Do we really believe that the word of God by his spirit changes? So what? God's word by the power of his spirit will accomplish his purpose, not our strength. Jesus established the foundation of the new temple through his death and his resurrection. He is the building, he is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail As fellow builders with Christ, we are called to build faithfully on that foundation. Our work will be tested by fire, but what is true will still remain. For God does the work, not us. He has begun a good work in our hearts and will bring it to completion in the day of great things when Christ returns. See, just as the people in Zechariah's day were frustrated, they were facing many challenges, so does the church today. There are challenges of persecution and martyrdom and challenges of secularism and materialism and idolatry. And just as there were scoffers in Zechariah's day, so there will be scoffers in our day. They will scoff at the lack of influence and power the church displays in this world or at sometimes misused power it displays in this world. This vision is a great encouragement that God's word and the power of the Spirit will accomplish His power. It is an encouragement to continue to declare the good news of Jesus Christ, even in the day of small things, knowing that God keeps his promises. I will build my church, he says, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. This is for you and me. Are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you despondent? Are you at the end of your rope? Do you feel as though you cannot go on? The word of the Lord says this, not by might nor by power, but but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Are you frustrated with the small progress in your life? Are you frustrated that you're not growing as fast as you'd like? That you're not where you thought you'd be? The word of the Lord says, For whoever has has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. So when we face a day of small things, we may trust that the Spirit is still capable of doing His work. The day of small things is often the very moment that the Spirit of God becomes the most active. See, our job isn't to remove the obstacles. That's not our job. Or to overcome the small progress. Our job is to be faithful to what God has called us to do and to be. Whatever situations we're in, Rely on the God who has and will supply all we need to accomplish His will. Let us rest in the loving arms of a God who frees us with this amazing statement, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Have you been discouraged by the little progress in a project or situation? God's word by the power of the Spirit will accomplish his purpose, not our strength. Let us continue to worship our awesome God together. Father God, I just thank you for this reminder that we have in your word. I pray that we would be a people who rely upon you and what you have done for us. May you be glorified, Lord, as we continue to seek faithful to the task that you've given us, knowing that it's not done by my own might, by our own mights, or by our own strength, but through your spirit, and amen.